Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. If they offered up this sacrifice, and now you're talking about the people that came out of Egypt. You're talking about the people that knew Yahweh and saw the miracles, the Red Sea crossing, the manna from heaven, the, the water from the rock. You're talking about people that saw the most incredible things of God. How far does this thing go? Because once the conscience is seared, it, there's no end. I'm telling you right now, it's pedal to the metal, no brake lights in sight. And that's what happened. And and look, they go deep into slaughter. They go deep into slaughter. It's kind of like, you know, there's a swimming pool and it's ice cold. And, And you step on the first step there and it's cold, right? At first, then you go the second step. And it's cold, but you, you get used to that. You get used to that. Then you go, go into the third step, and you get used to that, too. You stand there for a minute, and like, man, you know, my legs are numb anyway, and I can't. I lost my feeling. Then they get into the shallow end, and they're wading waist deep, and no longer that cold water is stinging them anymore. And then they're into the deep end. They're totally submerged in it. And that's what God's bringing out here, that you get involved in that, that there's, there's no end to this. It's unbelievable because the words that are used in verse 2 is discipline, not judgment. As deep as they got into this idolatry, and I found that interesting because this word was used, really it, it referred, it's used 51 times, but it refers to imposing painful consequences or other disadvantages upon someone for their disobedience as part of a process of improving one's character. That's why we discipline our kids. We discipline them because we see a character defect. He lied, you know, we know he broke the window Uh, By the way, if your kid did that, I'd have no information on it. But he broke the window at the store, and then he he lied about it when there were 10 witnesses and everything else. So what do you do? You discipline him. Why? To bring correction because you don't want that brick to turn into drive-by shootings. So we try and improve on there. And that's the word that God is using here. I will discipline all of them. I will discipline all. In other words, his painful consequences for their disobediences try and bring about correction, just like what Hebrews says in the New Testament. In chapter 12, verse 11, it says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It's what God's goal is. I remember getting, you know, spankings from my dad. I grew up in the days where there there was a belt used. And that was painful. And when my dad would say to me, son, this is going to hurt me more than you, I never believed it. He said, can I take the belt and whip you a little bit and we'll see about that. No, but it does. It grieves God's heart to have to discipline his people. He doesn't take pleasure in that, but he knows if he holds back and he doesn't deal with it, there will be no crop of righteousness ever come out. 
And so the Bible says in Hebrews in that same passage, you can read it later on in that chapter 12, that if God does not discipline you, then you are an illegitimate child. You're not a child of God. So what discipline does, and the writer of Hebrews says this, that what father who loves his children wouldn't discipline his kids? So listen to me. Catch this if you catch anything. When God disciplines us, it's a sign of his love. So understand that that God's condemnation on Israel, it's going to be extensive and it's always justified because God always has the knowledge. That leads us to God's evaluation of Israel. We move from God's condemnation of Israel to now God's evaluation of Israel in verses 3 and 4. Now watch this. I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hidden from me. For now, O Ephraim, you have played the whore. Israel is defiled. Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God, for the spirit of whoredom is within them, and they know not the Lord. Now watch this. When God evaluates a situation, when he evaluates a people, he always has all the information. God can't learn anything. When we talk about the omniscience of God and what he knows about you and me, I'm not kidding you. The Bible reveals he knows our hearts, not our actions only. He sees our heart. He sees the motives of our heart. He sees the desires of our heart. So there's nothing that God doesn't know. You and I always judge on limited information. You and I don't have all the knowledge. And that's why judging can be so bad at times from a believer. That if there's outright sin, we're called to deal with that in the churches. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 says, but then out in the world, it says God judges those outside the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And the reason is because God has all the knowledge. You and I don't. You see it in Revelations chapter 2 and 3. What does it say? Jesus is there. He's dealing with the seven churches. And they're in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. I've, I've seen all of them. We've been to all of them. Colossae, you know, has not been excavated. But churches like Ephesus and Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a little small part. But, but, and that's why I tell you guys that... If you're going to follow any football, follow Philadelphia because they're in the Bible. The church in Philadelphia is in the book of Revelation. And if you're a Pittsburgh fan, you need to repent. (laughs) But listen to me. What does Jesus do there? He's walking amongst the church in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And he says over and over again, I know your works. I know your works. And if you don't repent, I'm going to pull the candlestick. Jesus has the right to snuff the light out of any church. He has the right to close the doors of any church he wants. And that's what you're seeing in many of these mainline denominations that are even now denying the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the point is this. I know your works. Now look what he says of, of Israel. He says, I know Ephraim. I know Ephraim. In Amos chapter 3, verse 2, he says, You only have I known all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. See, God knows what they're up to. Now, I want you to know that 
worship still continued with God at the time, Yahweh, at the same time they were involved in all the idols. Now, Amos chapter 5, verse 12 says, For I know how many are your transgressions and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe and turn aside the needy at the gate. Over and over, God knows them. Again, you can't fool God any of the time. I see Ephraim. And look what he says, and Israel is not hidden from me. Israel, you can't hide from God. You can't. You can't hide in a church. You can't hide in a monastery. You can't even hide in the mountains. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 says this in verse 13, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That's Hebrews 4. Thank God for his discipline, amen? amen. Ephraim, I know you. And Israel is not hidden from me. So what, what do you mean, God? What, what's your evaluation then if we're exposed before you? Here's what he says. For now, O Ephraim, you have played the horror. Israel is defiled. That's his evaluation. Summed up in that statement. You have played the whore. Now remember in chapter 1, Hosea was instructed to go marry a prostitute. Remember what the reason for that was? As Hosea was the prophet bringing God's word to the people, his own relationship was going to be an object lesson of God's relationship with his people. As unfaithful as Hosea's wife became, and as she played the whore out there, it became an object lesson, no different than in children's church. When we teach your kids, we use object lessons so that they can see it visually and it helps them understand the lesson. And that's what he did with Hosea. And the amazing thing is Hosea was obedient to that. Followed through. And here he is giving this word here in chapter 5, Israel, you've played the whore. God's evaluation of Israel is accurate because he sees their heart. When God sent Samuel to go anoint David as king, when he went over there to David's household, right? His father Jesse was there and all of, all of the brothers were there. And God says something interesting to Samuel. Here's what he says to Samuel. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, he says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. See, do we not live in a culture where we're like enthralled with the way people look? I mean... Because we are into so much outward appearances, but God isn't. God's more into the heart. And it's for everybody's good, really. For those who come to repentance, it's a beautiful thing. For those who are going to fall under judgment, it's a horrible thing to come to that understanding. And that's why Jonathan Edwards was saying his holy omniscience is one of the attributes that men that are running from God hate. 
and the problem in the New Testament when Jesus was bringing, right, he's the word incarnate, he's bringing the word to the people there, and who was his biggest problems with? Who were his biggest arguments were? It was the religious leaders. Now, the religious leaders looked beautiful. They said all the right things. They did all the right things. People would look at them and say, man, how pious are they? You know, they're the ones that are, man, and they controlled the people, and it upset Jesus. And in chapter 23 of Matthew, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs. Now notice his terminology there. You are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. God knows the people. But the same can't be said of the people. The same thing, God knows the people, but the people don't know God. Notice how verse 3 begins, I know Ephraim, Israel is not hidden from him, but look how verse 4 ends, and they know not the Lord, and they know not the Lord. God's relationship with the people at that time was very different than their relationship with him. They did not know the Lord, the people don't know God, according to verse 4. And it describes, really, verse 4 describes the spiritual condition of the people at the time. And I want you to see how they're characterized here. As God has evaluated them, and then he begins to say, you know, I know your works, I, I know you, Israel, I know you inside and out. And as he brings this word forth through the prophet Hosea, I want you to see how they're characterized. And this is what the Lord laid on my heart. Number one, they're in bondage to sin. Look what he says. This is scary to me. Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. That's speaking of a bondage to the flesh, that they are so entrapped by the passions of their flesh they're coming to the point now of no return. They're coming to the point of no return. Bondage totally, their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. The people are so enslaved by their deeds. Notice that, by their deeds. You remember what Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 19? He said, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and the men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Their bondage is like quicksand. That I don't know if you've ever seen a video. I saw a video once of how people get out of quicksand. I don't know why. We don't have quicksand in the valley, but I thought, man, you know, if I ever fall into quicksand, I want to know how to get out. So I watched the video and it said, the guy's there, he's in the quicksand, and he's up to his waist, and he's showing you. And he had cattle, too. He said, I hope none of my cows fall into this. And he sinks up to his waist, but he's starting to get out, and he said, he said something interesting to me. He said, when you're getting out of quicksand, the more you move, the more entrapped you become. You have to use these little movements. It's got to be meticulous in order to get out, because most people will panic, and they'll start to... Now, I don't want to fear you. There's no quicksand around here, but there isn't. But if you're ever hunting in Africa or something, this may become beneficial to you. Remember, Pastor Walt told you how to get out of quicksand. 
So they're there, and the more you move, the more you move and you panic, which was what people do, the more they sink. And that's where these people are with their deeds. They're in full-blown sin right now, and the more they move, when they wake up in the morning, their minds are set on, on sin, their deeds are set. They have no control, and that's why when Jesus came in Luke 4, his first sermon, right, in, in his hometown, Nazareth, he said, the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel, and to some of those people was the captives. Those were captives. See, you're going to be enslaved to your flesh until Jesus delivers you. You will be enslaved all your life to one thing or another until Jesus brings. Some people are enslaved to their reputation. They're so enslaved to their reputation, they won't do the right thing because they're worried about what other people will think. They're, they're enslaved to people-pleasing and things like that. Until you come to Christ and find your identity in Jesus, you're not going to be delivered. So number one, they're in bondage to sin, but number two, their heart is evil. Look at verse four again. It says, for the spirit of whoredom is within them. You know what that means? Their hearts are evil and their hearts are wicked, and that's where the problem lies. It is a depravity of the heart. Everything we do originates out of the heart. You need to understand that. That's why you have to be careful of what you expose your mind to. That's why you have to be careful to what you watch. That's why you got to be careful, young people, to the music you listen to. Because that just builds the evilness and the depravity of the heart evermore. Ah, oh, what can, bad can come out of music? We'll talk to some of the testimonies out of people in New Creations and see how their lives started. And sometimes it was just the bands they were following and the, the songs that they were singing. And, and they, New York Mayor, I think, came out and said he wanted to ban rap music because they're finally seeing the connection between gangster rap and the killing of police officers. But their heart's evil. And Jesus said that everything we do comes out of the heart. Mark chapter 7, verses 20 to 23. And he said... What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. You need to be born again. Otherwise, your heart is still depraved. You may be a nice person. But God says it's evil. God even goes a step further and says you're actually an enemy of God in Romans chapter 5. You could be a nice and cordial enemy, but nevertheless you're an enemy of God. Born again, and that's why it's the only way to heaven. Other religions focus on the external and the things that you're supposed to do to try and gain access to that deity or gain a, a face in front of that deity. But God says, no, you need to place your faith and trust in the way I provided. And at that moment, a person is born again. You know what happens then? That heart where murderers and covetousness and lies and sensuality and all that stuff, it's now born again. And now righteousness begins to flow. 
from your heart instead of the wickedness and the evilness. So they can't even know God right now. They're enslaved to the flesh. They're in bondage to the flesh. Their hearts are evil. But then the other thing is their self-deception. Look at this at the end of 4. It says, and they know not the Lord. Now, the reason why I say self-deception is because they think they know the Lord. As we read further down into Hosea, they're still offering sacrifices. They're honoring the festivals. They're doing all these things, religious things, and they think they're okay with God. But it's self-deception. See, we don't know God because of the religious things we do. We do the religious things because we know God. And that's putting the cart before the horse. If you've never come to Christ, your church attendance will continue to be a waste. You're under self-deception. If you're not there with God, listen to me. If you're not there with God, it's not because he's withholding. It's because you're withholding. And oftentimes it falls into self-deception where we hear the word of God. I own a Bible. It sits at my house. I do this, do that. I give to the church. I volunteer at the soup kitchen, kitchen with a mission. I volunteer at the food giveaway we do during the week and all of that stuff. And that could be self-deception if you don't know Jesus. Self-deception. And even James said this, and he was the apostle in your face. He was the half-brother of Jesus. In James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, he says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer, who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So our standard is obedience to the word of God. The word of God. The last thing I want to bring up is God's resignation of Israel. And this is mind-blowing to me how this happens. But again, it isn't forever because he restores his people but God's resignation of Israel is seen in verses 5 to 7. And he says, The pride of Israel testifies to his face. Israel and Ephraim shall stumble in his guilt. Judah also shall stumble with them. With their flocks and herds they seek. They shall go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He is withdrawn from them. They have dealt faithlessly with the Lord, for they have borne alien children. Now the new moon shall devour them with their fields. And let me draw your attention to just each verse. When you look at verse 5, the problem is pride. Look what he says, the pride of Israel tested. Don't you find that interesting, the way that's worded? The pride testifies against Israel. So look at this. When somebody, even a murderer, has a right to face their accuser, right? And so whenever you're in a court and you're being indicted for something... They always call witnesses to the stand, and they get on the witness stand, and they say, you know, I saw him. He ran out of the store. I saw him dump the gun in the dumpster, and, or I saw the drug deal take place and everything else, and they give their testimony. What God is saying here is, Israel, look at your pride. That's who's on the witness stand right now. Your pride testifies to you because you will not humble yourself and bow to my commands. 
So pride is the problem. Proverbs 16, 18 said, pride goes before destruction. This is the word of God. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.